Good morning, church. Good morning, church. All right, it is good to hear you all out there and see you as well. And we're in the midst of what Anthony described very well as the revisioning kind of window project campaign. And we're, we're looking at who we need to be as a church. And so I want to say to you today, if you're a guest, if you're visiting and exploring a church, this is a church that is moving forward. We're going to be having a family discussion today. And so while, while some of the discussion is family-related, family of faith, um, there are principles in what I'm going to share with you today from Scripture that apply to every follower of Christ. And so we want to welcome you. We want you to feel at home. We want you to overhear how God is working in this church. And, and as I, I think about organizations and, and healthy organizations, healthy institutions, there comes a time in their journey where they do some evaluation. That's just a good thing to do. And, and organizations, institutions, groups come with some good questions. Why do we exist? What matters most? How can we position ourselves to be more effective in the future? Now, there's different responses to this. There is the response of, well, we need to totally reinvent ourselves. Some organizations, institutions do that. Others say, I'm not sure we need to reinvent ourselves, and I'm not sure we need to change our purpose statement, but I think we need to make some adaptations to be more effective. I think we need to make some adjustments that will be critical moving forward. And so I want to say to you that as a church, I don't believe that Martha Bowman Church needs to reinvent herself, so to speak. But what I would suggest to you is that we have a real opportunity, a real opportunity. We are at a crossroads, no pun intended, we're, we're at a place where God can do some significant things, and so our challenge is to be open to the Spirit and to look at how not to change our vision. Our original vision came from Christ. His last words should be our first concern. Go make disciples of all nations. Make followers of me. And so we can't really, we need to resist the temptation to try to improve on that. But I do think, pragmatically, we need to recapture it as it's presented in the culture and world we're in today. And so that's what we're about and one of the things I said last week was this may be one of the most important messages I've preached at Martha Bowman. It's not so much about me as the deliverer, but more importantly, in terms of timing, in terms of a defining moment for us in the next couple of weeks. And I want to talk to you about that. I want us to, to look at the question of this. What are we investing in? What are you investing in? And how is the return on that? And so what I'd like for us to do is take a look at a couple of things. And one is what Jesus said about 
financial resources. He did not shy away from money. Jesus was not afraid to talk about money because he knew it was close to the heart. 16 out of 38 parables in the New Testament handled issues related to money and possession. Possessions. The Bible has over 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but over 2,000 on financial issues, money, and financial resources. And so I think what Jesus understood very clearly as deity, God incarnate, is that there is a direct relationship, a spiritual connection between our money and our relationship with God. And we see the full teaching of that in Matthew chapter 6. And I'd like for us to read that together. Matthew 6, 19. Read this with me. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The message version is this. Do not hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten and corroded by rust and moth or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is illustrating for us is that our financial resources point to what we value, what we care about in our hearts. It's a matter of the heart. And it's a matter of the heart when it comes to trusting. And a question for us today is, can we trust God with what we're willing to invest? Can God be trusted with what he's supplied to us? Can I really trust God with my resources? Okay, we're going to do an exercise in trust. And uh, this, is a, this is a good crew. I can tell we're lively uh, we're interactive, and we're going to be during this time. And, and so what I want you to do, the first thing I want you to do, and, and don't panic, is I want you to take, if, if you have a wallet, take that out and, and hold it. If you have a checkbook or some kind of representation of your financial life, okay? Walt's got his wallet, okay? Somebody else may have a checkbook. And I just want you to hold on to that because I need to share with you, this is, pretty, this is pretty precious to us. In fact, as some of you are holding it, some may feel a need to caress it a little bit. It's a value to you. And I want to share with you today that this represents not only, in a good way, the financial life that we lead, but it also has become the temple of our day become a place of worship. 
most people in our day believe at the deepest level that they will experience happiness and it's directly related and associated with the contents in this leather container. And while it holds currency and while it holds credit cards, it can be an obsession, an idol. Money is not a bad thing. In fact, the Bible speaks to that. It's a good thing. And I really believe that when we acquire things, it's okay. God wants us to enjoy things. He wants us to experience the blessing of things. And I really believe he wants us to use things in all of creation for the good of his purposes. For our delight in the good of the kingdom's purpose. But what has happened is we've found our security and our evaluation of success and our value in this. And we live in a consumeristic culture that bombards us with messages that you are not happy. You are not content. And we have the product and you're one purchase away from contentment. And so what happens is we amass possessions and we see this as something as an object of prestige or, or maybe power or the things that it can acquire and it it becomes idolatry. And there are very smart people, very intelligent people who stay up all night thinking of ways to motivate you to buy and consume and to convince you that you're not happy and that if you will make this one purchase, it'll all come together. And out of that has come consumer debt. Now, I'm not talking about a mortgage on a home, something that in many cases appreciates. I'm talking about consumer debt, where we consume, maybe put food on credit card, and we put clothing on credit cards, and, 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 and even vehicles on credit cards. And we, we consume it, and it either has no appreciative value or it depreciates. Once again, I'm not talking about assets that grow in value. And so once they're consumed, in some cases gone, whatever it is we purchased, we're left with the interest to be paid. And sometimes that stands in the way of us being able to be generous. So what happens many times, and it's nothing new, and it, it's in biblical times, and that's why Jesus addressed this, is we have misplaced values. And Jesus wants us to align with the kingdom values and make investments accordingly. It is true. It's often been said, and we may not agree with it, but if you discover someone's ledger for their checkbook, you can tell a lot about a person. You can tell what their priorities are. And I think the recession, the great recession, while some people 
lost a lot of things, and that's unfortunate. Some people were innocent in that they were in a certain market or a certain financial setting at the wrong time at the wrong place. No fault of their own. Others may have contributed to the problem. But I think the recession was a good thing because we had been duped by this. We had been deceived into thinking we could have more and more and that it would somehow satisfy us to where it became a distraction. All right, you've got it in your hand. Walt, you have it? Okay, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to do this. And, and uh, it's an exercise of trust. I want you to hand this to someone that is not in your immediate family swap out with them. Okay, let's do that. Come on. Humor me. Do this. Even if you don't know the person. Oh, yeah. All right. Good. I can tell you're enjoying this. So let me ask you, let me ask you, how did it feel? And in one case, somebody said, it felt good because I knew where it came from and I know who it belongs to and God has blessed them. It felt good when I got it. Others may have said, you know, this, that was scary. I mean, it almost felt like when the bank says, your credit card has been compromised and a stranger has access to your private information. You, 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 maybe you know who they are, and that may have raised some questions. Or you didn't know who they were, and it was awkward. Now, does everybody have someone else's? All right, what we're going to do is take an offering, and I want you to give like you've always wanted to give. <laughs> I want you to give like you've never given before, okay? And I want you to see how good it feels. All right. You, you can go ahead and give it back to the person. Do, do you see our attachment? Do you see that when Jesus talks about money, he talks about that it's so tied to our personhood. It's tied to our spirituality. It's tied to our identity. And it can easily become an idol. Now, you just did something and you felt the angst of that. When you gave over this that represents the financial life that you live, when you gave that over to someone, some of you may have felt scared to death. Or maybe some uneasiness. Why is it that we're unwilling to trust the God who first provided this was simply returning to God in the work of the kingdom and making a reinvestment. God has already invested in us. All we're doing is making a reinvestment back into the original source from which it came. And yet there's great reluctance. And we miss great joy. And so 
we've got some misplaced values, and I think that's why John Wesley wanted those early Methodist followers to get this down as a, as a, a life concept. He said there were three things when it came to your finances that he felt like all of us a part of the movement should remember. Number one, make all you can. It's okay to make a lot. Make all you can. Earn all you can. Make all you can. Save all you can. Don't squander it. Save as much as you can. Two out of three ain't bad. It's this last one that we struggle with. Give all you can. He saw that as the complete part of the equation. Make as much as you can. Save for the future. And for the good of your family. But be as generous as you can. One of the things John Wesley said was, for the follower of Jesus, this is the last thing that gets converted. And I believe that. Because he knew it was a matter of the heart. Don't store up things where moth and rust will destroy. Heard the story of a family in Atlanta that had an extra home that they were in between renters. and They had a window of time that they, they could let somebody either stay there or even let the church. It was close to the church. And so this, uh, the youth program uh, was invited to use the, the basement. You know, as long as they didn't trash the rest of the house, they could use the basement. And so they had Bible studies there. They had prayer sessions there. People came to know Christ in those settings, in that musty basement, they were able to use the rest of the house as well. And one was called into full-time Christian service. They could have said, we're just going to let this house sit, but this is something that we can be generous with. And so moth and rust did not destroy. At the end of this text, we find that the recorder of the text, Matthew kind of sums up everything Jesus has said with the quote, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. He had talked about the lily of the field and how it does not have to worry and the birds of the field are not concerned. Why should you be? For God will take care of you. And so seek first the kingdom, and all of these things will be taken care of. Two Sundays from now, we have the opportunity to make a commitment, an investment. This whole message today is centered around rethinking our investments. Why is it important for us to give to this project? Well, it's good for us. My need to give is greater than the cause I'm giving to. Do you hear me? My need, the things that happen to me when I give, is of greater significance than the recipient or the project that is going to benefit from my generosity. That's why Delia and I are very committed to tithing. In one pocket, we have if you would, our income, and we give off of that. And that tithing is a reminder of a spiritual focus that we have in treasure management. And it keeps us from the, the trap of, of selfishness, or at least it moves us away from that. It keeps us focused 
on kingdom values and we're able to maybe overcome the temptation of breaking the first commandment, and that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have no other gods before you. And so my need to give should be greater than what I'm giving to. But then there's another pocket, if you would, that Dewey and I feel is important. And that's some things off of some small assets that we have, a small fund that my mother left behind when she died. And there's a little bit of interest that comes off of that. And, and then there's the principal, and it's recovered since the recession. And out of that, we give to missionaries, and we give to certain causes, organizations in our community, and to special projects in the church. And so we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to cut into the principle and say, we're not going to let moths and rust destroy. This is important stuff. We're going to invest it in something that is no risk, high yield. And what is it that we're investing in? We're investing into eternity. We're investing in the life of this church. And when we invest in the life of this church, we change our community, we change our country, we have the possibility of changing our world for Christ. And so when I give to the church, it's not just about Martha Bowman, it's about the cosmos of God. And so, very quickly, I, I, I want to share with you our, our, our thinking. And that is, if you have your card, I invite you. There, there's a card. You're not going to have to turn it in today. Isn't that great? Take your card, your commitment card. We're going to turn that in on the 7th. And um, once again, if you're visiting with us and, and you're exploring our church, let us have this family conversation. But uh, it's good for all of us to hear. Yeah, grab that card. Yeah, to, Some of you have? Okay, good. All right. What Dewey and I did, and I want you to do this as an exercise over the next couple of weeks. What we did is we said, okay, what can we afford? Okay, we can afford to give our tithe. It's not going to change our lifestyle any, so we know that. All right, what about out of this other pocket? What can we afford? And so our eyes dropped to a level where we said, okay, this amount is what we can afford. Gang, you know what I call that? A donation. A donation doesn't really change anything for me. I don't have to change my lifestyle. I don't really have to worry about if I'm taking out of an asset because it's going to recover. I know it will. And so I'm making a donation. I often make donations. And so what Dewey and I have called it is a reasonable faith. And a reasonable faith very simply means that I look at what I can afford and then I say, God, now I can pull this off, but what would happen if I really let you into my life, really had you working, helping me in creative ways to be stretched, to make a sacrifice, not just a donation. And so our eyes began to move up. And what happens is when you have a reasonable faith, okay, I'm not in a position to give 100000 Some are in this church. I'm not. That would be unreasonable for me to shoot for that. Okay, i got to be honest with you. Anthony says he's off the table in that category as well. All right, but there's more I can do, and I can do something significant. And that's why we say every gift is significant. It's not equal gifts. But equal sacrifice. Now, some of you here 
make a good argument. You say, Tim, I've just stepped into our first home. We, you know, we had two small children. Uh, we've j- we, maybe we just got married. Uh, one of us is out of work. There's some sensitivity to that, trust me, and, and God knows all that. But what I have decided in my life and what Delia and I had to do when we weren't at our greatest earning years, we had to be creative. We had to be creative in the income that came on a regular basis. And so I'll give you an example. In Albany, Georgia, um, we had a, a program, and a guy said, Tim, I want to give to this new sanctuary we're building. And, and so I have a twofold blessing that's going to come out of it. Number one, I'm going to give the money that I would have spent on my cigarettes to the building. And so the good news for me is I'm going to live longer, and I get the joy of giving. Do you see? He made an adaptation. And so when we look at this and we say, there's no way. Well, there, with God, there is a way. And I have found that God has taken me by surprise. He has outwitted me. And I thought, you know what? I'll never make that amount. And something will come through that took me by surprise. And I was surprised by joy. And so I want to invite you to join the Stephans in moving from simply what would be a donation Because it's going to take sacrifice to really get our children's wing where it needs to be. It's going to take sacrifice to really get our student ministry area. To have HD in here and another screen. To get the sanctuary where it needs to be. To get security in place. It means we're all going to have to sacrifice. But what greater joy than to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so, gang, I want to invite you in two weeks to do something, to take this and that card and ask simply, God, what would you have me to do? How can I have a reasonable faith? How can I raise my sights? And how can I give something that I love? to the work of one that I love far more. Let's pray together. God, this is one of those moments, in fact, over the next couple of weeks, where we have to step out into the unseen. That is what faith is. And we thank you that we could put our faith in you in terms of receiving redemption and eternal life. And God, we can trust you, and we will trust you with all that you've given us, because we're not owners, we're simply stewards, caregivers and takers of what you've already blessed us with. And so help us to experience that joy of sacrifice. It's in the name of Christ that we pray, amen.